So the uh, subject is the path of works. Uh, and we can start with life. Because life and works are so closely intertwined with each other. The different ways that we all have tried to understand life. Life is a journey. Life is a song. Life uh, as a battlefield. <laughs> life as a play, game. And... Uh, Finally, life is a worship and adoration and service. Whichever way we look at it, it's a travel or a path through which we move on. At first blindly, not knowing where the goal is. Not even knowing who put us in the car where we are traveling. But as we go through the process, quite naturally, some bit of awakening comes. We begin to... At least we try to understand, we want to figure out why we are where we are. So here we uh, arrive at our first conclusions when we normally travel through the journey of life. A journey implies a goal, a journey implies a path, a journey implies a vehicle. So ordinarily the path is whatever path is directed by whatever our highest conception of life is, our idea about life, our ideal of life. Unfortunately for most of us in the beginning, when I say most of us, I don't mean most of us here, (laughs) but in general, the conception is life is meant to satisfy our desires, our longings. At a little step higher, it becomes to fulfill my ideas and ideals about life, whatever I conceive of, and so on and so forth. So that that decides, we put a goal before us. Of course, very often the journey is quite uh, apparently aimless, because always there is something impelling us, and we go through life as it opens itself. And... uh, Depending on the goal, we have the path which opens. And what is the vehicle? The vehicle is the body. And ordinarily, the fuel that is used for driving this car or the energy is desire. And the driver is ordinarily the ignorant mind. In those days when there was neither GPS nor a very clear orientation about where to go and how to go. And we are driven. In fact, in the beginning, we don't even know. So we tell the driver, wherever you want to take us, you take us. Imagine that scenario where we are at the mercy of the driver who will take us wherever he wants to take us. It may look very strange, but this is how we lead life. We let the mind take over us and take us wherever it wants to. If we do this in our ordinary life, in, in, in a real event, we are traveling in a car and we sit and tell the driver, take me wherever you want to take me, it would look very strange. But this is how precisely we move through life, blindly as it is said. So yoga brings in this dimension that no, there is a clear goal which goes beyond the limits and frames of our present humanity. What does yoga say? Yoga says... Life is about progress, which is one thing which we can really see in life, clearly. And this progress, yoga terms as concentrated evolution. This progress which takes place through many lives. We, uh, we go back and we return, we, we again travel. So 
we travel through many a vehicles vehicles break down and there is something which is impelling us to progress this is the minimum understanding about life which makes life beautiful and worth living that life is meant for progress now what does yoga do yoga makes this progress concentrated that progress which will take place through many lives anyways because that's how human beings are programmed we are so programmed that whatever we may have in life we cannot stop and be satisfied as shubhendra says we may be satiated but not satisfied we'll keep on returning back as if in search of something so we are programmed for evolution and yoga makes this evolution concentrated so how does it concentrate the progress or the evolution by the very same energies which are given to us by life which are normally spent in ordinary pursuits the very same energies when we concentrate these energies and put it towards the goal that yoga asks us or demands of us then it becomes concentrated evolution so we can look at these aspects of our being which are given to us there is mind thought some degree of intelligence and then there is the heart of emotions feelings will and of course we have uh, several other aspect but these are three main impellers of the journey they are given to us and ordinarily one or the other is active sometimes the mind is active the thoughts are active most of the time it is active and if you observe its activity 99% of the time it is a discursive activity which is drifting the mother says if we catch ourselves and ask what were you thinking says if i ask you what were you thinking most of the time we won't know what were we thinking about so this activity is taking place mechanically habitually it's drifting so as a result of it there is a dispersion of our mental energies and so we get fatigued and we have devised novel ways of drifting of the mind or focusing it in running from channel to channel so in yoga we concentrate the mind meaning thereby instead of drifting we pick up this mind and try to focus it on one single object one single idea usually in yoga we pick up one idea the highest idea the greatest idea the widest idea and let the mind focus on that every time it goes runs away we catch it and bring it back and in the, in this process also there are two activities one is we focus on a single idea till the idea ultimately reveals the truth behind it for instance that the divine is in all beings divine is in creation or on the idea of love or on the idea of bliss it could be a principle uh, and the other way which is easier is meditation in meditation we pick up the same idea and let our thoughts run around it so either which way we teach the mind to concentrate and when the mind concentrate it's like in a same uh, same room uh, when we pack the energy let's say the air which is in this room if we pack it pack it in a small concent, uh, container it becomes very powerful because we are compressing all the molecules which are there into a um, smaller space here we don't make the space smaller but we make lot of space empty but the molecules are brought together all our energies of the mind are concentrated on this single object and when we do it as a result of the power of this concentration 
concentration is a basic thing in every yoga in life itself suddenly the idea releases what is held within it and when it releases we are flooded with a completely new dimension of understanding life and new kind of knowledge begins to pour in a wide god knowledge pours in from above as shrivinda says why because the mind is now all the discursive activity is brought together and it's concentrating on that single object or idea so if we take it with the analogy of journey of life say person is traveling in the car and he is closed his eyes and is contemplating suddenly he has this aha phenomena and he says hold on stops the driver and he comes out of the car he says my job is over so driver says where do i go i i don't care where you go it's your problem i have reached where i wanted to reach this is how traditionally we see in the path of uh, gyana or the traditional path of knowledge where one stops the moment one realizes the self and then one says my job is over what about work the journey the path utility is over but in shrivindra's yoga it is not over because while i may understand by the power of the idea i may realize something very high and beautiful i also need to understand what this world is about why this journey where is this journey going so all that is known as the integral knowledge so one is the knowledge of the self and the other is how this self extends into this world and all its various becomings the gita speaks about it as um, beautifully in the god as in his power of becoming so we want to understand not only krishna the player but the play and we want to play with him not just uh, say that oh this is so wonderful uh, and uh, when he plays he has these two modes of play one is the kurukshetra and the other is uh, vrindavan so, uh, so so basically the path of knowledge traditionally stops with self realization but here it goes on until it has found god in everything and invaded all the fields with the divine consciousness so here we see the utility of works because how are we going to really if we are so content with ourselves and our own self realization how are we going to find him in nature and all these activities and works so what about the path of love the path of love is somebody who is traveling in the car again we take the same analogy wants to meet his beloved beloved is the divine but then because he wants to meet the beloved or rather even before that as the yogis would say and rightly so that he whom we are seeking is seeking us somewhere the connection has been built and he is drawing us closer and closer and we are in a, that intensity we want to meet you meet you and a point comes when he comes he doesn't wait for us to reach him but he comes and suddenly we have the again the aha phenomena oh you are here we again ask the car stop stop my work is over so again the driver asks what about the journey sir don't worry what about the payment <laughs> my beloved will make the payment <laughs> and we merge in that we see this in several stories of certain bhaktas chaitanya mahaprabhu many others so reach that state of exaltation where they find the divine by the power in intensity of love now here again we see concentration how does it come into play ordinarily we seek this this energy of love is again dispersed into 101 relatives and relativities <laughs> if you live in india you understand what it means to have a discursive the heart is tied to everyone and everything 
and so it is concentrated on the one divine and when it is concentrated on the one divine that energy becomes intense intense till ultimately something opens and as i said one meets the beloved but in shubhendra's yoga again we can't stop here we are not happy with one krishna this is a very nice line in one of the bhajans that i read i'll say in hindi then translate ami uh, it's in bengali amar ek ek krishna mon bhare na ami anant krishna dube chai i am not happy with one krishna i want to meet infinite krishnas so now it's not enough that i have found but in this world in every being in every creature in all the manifold um, the wrestle and the clasp and the embrace of different people i must discover the same divine so again we see that we meet the beloved in in gyan yoga in shurbindos uh, if i have to add when we have that aha phenomena that door of knowledge opens we tell him oh light i don't want to merge into you take me along now you guide up till now i have guided my mind as i have tried to concentrate um, tried to find the way but now you are there you lead me so that becomes the path of traditional knowledge extending into shurbindo's yoga where works and knowledge come together now here again we see when we meet the beloved we don't come out of the car we say you please come into the car and he will come because why not he will in fact say this driver is no more necessary i'll drive your car that's how the divine charioteer works he takes hold of the steering wheel and then if the divine is the driver and we are seated next to him who would ever want to come out of the car <laughs> we would rather say drive eternally wherever you want to take us and then everything even battlefield becomes his play because when he is there with us seated next to us then even battlefield is a joy and a play so this is where the traditional path of bhakti universalizes itself because it discovers the deity in everything and instead of coming out and merging coming out i mean coming out of the creation and the journey and life merging with the divine we walk with the divine the divine walks with us and he takes the reins of the car reins is the <laughs> well the steering wheel of the car and he takes us along what about the path of works here it is the will so we have the thought concentrating thought on a single idea concentrating emotions on a single relation manifold relation with the divine father mother beloved friend everything he becomes the heart opens one day the door opens and we discover but as i said in shubhendra's yoga we are not just happy with that to find him in the temple we want to find him even in the battlefield we want to find him everywhere now what about the will again we see that will is also in a dispersed state will is the power to acquire to achieve to to find whatever it is seeking will is the most important element so important in human beings it's hardly trained we we our whole education is so much you know analytical mind centered so will is hardly trained and uh, yet it is the one which is so indispensable in yoga when somebody asks your bindo that you have such a praising his mind it must have helped you tremendously in this yoga he said it is not the mind it is the will i had a very obstinate will 
So this will is so important which we tend to miss and we hardly train. So that's why one of the things that we see in the ashram life, I'm sure it uh, applies here and everywhere, it should apply. First training is the training of will. And what is this training? One simple thing is regularity and punctuality. So this <laughs> coming on time, one of the things was regularity and punctuality. And I have seen that this just practice of these two elements itself is like a training of the will. Why? Because uh, if you have to reach or we have to do some activity, like if to see my, let's say, go to the dispensary at 8 o'clock, my mind may say nobody is going to come at 8 o'clock. It's okay, I can go 5 minutes later, 10 minutes later. But it's not about somebody coming or not coming. It's a work and I go there and sit. Maybe nobody will come, yet I sit there. Now for that, I have to work backwards. <laughs> So the mind uh, automatically, if I meet somebody on the way, what do I do? I can't start chatting. I can't start saying, ki, okay, let's, how are you? How's your daughter doing? How's your son doing? It, it's just not possible because I know, the will knows that this is a work which is given at this point, one has to be there. So even while I am talking, my will is concentrated on the work that is to be done. So will and works are directly connected. But ordinarily this will is scattered in the fulfillment of desires. So when the will uh, drives in ignorance, it tells the driver, take me there to that market because I'll get some nice uh, dresses there. Nothing uh, against <laughs> getting dresses or good dresses. Take me there, I'll get some nice food. Take me there, I'll get this. So again, we concentrate the will. So meaning thereby, instead of leading a life which is running at the mercy of desires and various attachments, I turn, I withdraw that energy and turn this will in the one direction, which is to find the divine or to serve the divine. When the will takes this, um, this is taken up by this particular urge, this aspiration that I want to serve the divine, there is no other goal. Then one day again, as a result of it, there is another opening at another level. And the knower of this uh, world, the lover and beloved of our souls, comes to us as master of works. That's how Shivinda says. So all these paths will lead us to discovery of an aspect of the divine. And each of them is important. Uh, knowledge aspect is there where we transcend everything, the world of senses, form, name. It's that state of wide universal impersonality where we ultimately discover that that is the origin of things, all things, all creation. And by, the, by love we discover that this entire creation is throbbing with the, in its core with the uh, pulsation of love which is sustaining this creation because it's okay. Creation has been, by from knowledge it has emerged. By knowledge I mean that, you know, secret, that consciousness and force which has built this universe, they are one and the same, but that consciousness which has created this universe is knowledge. We see knowledge everywhere hidden in creation. Uh, I mean, the ant has not read a book on itself. People write a book on how ants navigate, but they have the knowledge inside. Every creature... If we look at this creation, it's amazing. It's bursting with knowledge. It's an expression of knowledge. Knowledge here means that we try to find how it operates, but we don't know that that knowledge which is hidden intrinsic to everything in creation. So when the, the doors of that knowledge open, 
then we see this creation magnificent creation and what a knowledge has gone into it and then as the gita says we are filled with wonder ashcharyavat pashyati kashidinam but then we wonder what is at the core what is impelling this and then we discover through the path of love the heart which is throbbing in this universe the heart of love but then why is it where is it leading us where is it going which way it is direction what is what is this love which is throbbing in the universe uh, where is it leading us then we discover that it is leading us towards that which is the origin that is delight this is the basic um, paradigm of uh, yoga that it's not desire which has given birth to this creation but delight so what is delight creating several several homes of delight and i'll take one sim- simple example of uh, any group life but let's say ordinarily in a family life one has um, husband wife children or other members of the family uh, what is it actually <laughs> if we look at it this way or that way ultimately it's to multiply the joys there is a very interesting phrase in in the um, uh, vedas um, uh, na ramate it's like you don't enjoy being alone so you want many so there are many though it is a human expression but it is so true that it's about the multiplication of delight so that love is multiplying that one delight in many 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 forms multiple forms but how these forms are going to be built and there we enter into really works it is working to build homes for the delight manifestations of delight movements of delight and we would like to participate in that whole collaborate in this process because if we don't collaborate in the process then while we may find god away from this world we will not find him in the becoming in this movement this is the whole idea of the path of works path of works is ultimately to collaborate with this great movement that we call as the universe this the basic so how does it proceed first of all what is work ordinarily when we talk about work if people ask what are you doing so people say i, I am a doctor or <laughs> this this is the ordinary understanding of work but of course in the when we talk about works in the sense of yoga all outward going movement is works everything our thought feelings will impulsion everything which is going outward is work so that's why this is so much interconnected by with our inner life because what is inside will go into our works there is a very interesting story which i read about uh, <clears throat> you know in ancient times there were priests there was a priestly class i'm talking of india everywhere it was there so they were supposed to exercise it their life was supposed to be a life of extreme degree of discipline self discipline they are meant to be so disciplined that they can't charge money from anyone they have to get up at 3:30 and you know take a bath and do prayers this was life dedicated to simply a, a lot of self mastery and self discipline so this man once loses his um, way somewhere he errs he, he stumbles so there is a way that you can uh, do some prashit trip you know repentance so he does that then everybody says now you have done this he says no no it's not complete why because inside still it is there that attachment that i wanted to get rid of it because of which i stumbled and deviated that attachment is still inside this external repentance is not enough i need to 
work this out. And then of course the story is very beautiful because he transforms that attachment into love. But that's a different story altogether. But the point is that works are everything that is going out. So ordinarily when we see nine tenth of our activity is going out except when we sleep. And in sleep also unfortunately we remain largely on the surface. For a moment we take a dip inside and that's why we need long hours of sleep and even then it's not uh, very fruitful. So this nine tenth activity which is going out, how is it going to be useful if we have to find divine? Because ordinarily this is the conception divine is inside us. In a subjective inner space. So outward going movement means it is rushing out. So how are we going to concentrate this energy which is rushing out into various activities? So the simple formula which is given is turn this service, turn this activity of the mind, of the heart, of the will, all the energies, movements of the hands, feet, everything. Turn this into service and worship of the divine. Then even this activity becomes not only a way to God realization But into a great wide fulfillment Because then we don't have to find a separate uh, Separate place to sit Separate process, a special technique So there is a story in the Mahabharata where Draupadi makes a very interesting remark uh, She is going to meet Krishna And there is the Ashwamedh Yagya going on It's a Yagya done in a you know, people are, and everybody has to go there and she meets Krishna and then she's waiting for him and then they will go. So, they say, don't you think that by missing on the yajna, you are losing your share of uh, merits which you incur when you go for a yajna? She says, then you don't know the full truth, Draupadi says. What is the full truth? Each step we take on the journey Knowing that we are going to meet the divine, then it gives you the merit of a hundred Ashwamedh Yakyas. Meaning thereby that it's one thing to go to a place of worship and sit, wanting some merits. It's quite another to undertake each step as if we are going to meet the divine and participate in that fulfillment. So this is how the path of works begins to proceed. All other fruits have to be renounced, including the merit that we are going to get from, let's say, that's how the Gita puts it. So what are these fruits that we covet when we work, when we act? There are outer fruits which are well known, rewards of money, position, uh, wealth, position, name, fame, all these outer things. There are inner rewards. When we renounce these outer things, still the inner reward is there. And these inner rewards can be very subtle. I would like to dress in the way that I look a Swami. And if I pass by and people don't look at me and say, Swamiji, then it's like, oh, he doesn't know who I am. Swamiji must be revered. See how subtle these things can be. This, sometimes it could be just earning respect. Earning respect is something intrinsic. Wanting to be in a certain state or position of reverence. So many kinds of things. And we begin to change our life in a certain way. We begin to even put on an air, put on a show. As Shubhinda says, Jupli Shiti is so sham. 
and all this takes us into a whole zone which is far away from the divine even though outwardly we profess that we are seeking the divine so there are inner rewards and these inner rewards can go to a point where we want some uh, as shri krishna says uh, we worship god we turn to him for earthly benefits for the satisfaction of desires so that is the difference incidentally between religious life and spiritual life in religious life we turn to god so that he can take care of my earthly needs so god is at our disposal he doesn't mind he is very humble he is okay you want me only for this but in spiritual life that has to be renounced so spiritual life is opening opens us to a completely new dimension altogether in fact if we are sincere about the spiritual life and we uh, still try to have that relation with god that he will always satisfy my desire in the beginning he may but later on he'll say i'm going to change the rules of the game for you because you are not then any more following your own true aspiration and he may even start snatching away whatever little <laughs> grain that we have or the straw last straw we want to hold on to so when we take the path of works the first practice is nishkam karma without any uh, care for the fruit now when it is said without an eye on the fruit does it mean that i'll do my work negligently shubhendra says no in uttar pada speech we see just one sentence we have to do now the work with all the uh, spirit of service as a worship as a dedication to the divine only only thing is that whether we'll get out of it success or failure fortune or misfortune that we have to renounce again it doesn't mean i'll do it indifferently and carelessly Shubhendra says you have to do it with an eye on success. You have to do it well. But if it doesn't come, we have built a whole place. We want to make it beautiful. But on the last day, there is a storm and a cyclone, and it's all demolished. Doesn't matter. We don't give up. We persevere. We persevere it ten thousand times because that is the will inside us to do that. So this is the first thing to renounce the fruits. The fruits may be to our liking. they may not be to a liking the fruits may be success or failure fortune misfortune uh, all kinds of things may come but every time how do we know when this happens we we'll, we have to observe inside when success comes and we say oh this is so nice and people come and say oh congratulations you have done a <laughs> very good work because in yoga works we realize that uh, there is no worker except nature nature is doing even the brain the intelligence everything has been built by nature these instruments have been built by nature so actually to take credit is basically uh, even uh, fundamentally it is not right because whatever one has done what has one done everything energy thought everything is coming from that vast field of nature so uh, first thing is to renounce the fruit of desires it is a very very powerful practice Shobindo says in the essays on the Gita, and uh, of course all of us who have walked the way can vouch for for it that even if this alone is practiced, it liberates us from. That's why the Gita says, "Swalpamasya dharma." He says it's very difficult to follow all the things that I am telling you, but practice just this small little thing, and it is that no more I'll do this work for satisfaction of any of my desire. Now these desires can be very subtle, a preferred idea. a preferred ideal a preferred ideology a preferred country in various ways it'll come it keeps raising its level sometimes we want to see our idea realized 
<laughs> in uh, for which we have lived and probably you know on the deathbed oh maybe before this the people sometimes want their book to be released just before they are going to depart now all these have to be renounced completely because uh, all this will be like an illusion which is tying us down to the state of ignorance so all must become a worship and by the fact that it becomes a worship and service it not only enhances the quality of the work it enhances our own life in so many ways because when we work with the idea of worship and service then divine doesn't follow monthly wages system he gives us the wages instantly is the first instant reward policy if ever one wants it is with the divine so not say no but we see that you know sometime we have worked for um, god knows decades but nothing happens well the instant reward is not about that instant reward is that purpose for which the world was created delight so there is a very beautiful essay of shivin the delight of works if we are really doing it as a worship and service we'll see that there is a instant joy which springs up within us that itself is a sign that we are on track but if we are feeling frustrated there are people who say oh i have been doing this for god but it's not working that means we are not doing it for god but for the satisfaction of an egoistic idea and since that is not getting fulfilled i am getting frustrated so all frustration all sorrow is a sign that my gps is not working right we need to recenter it the act is to be dedicated to him when it will be fulfilled if at all it will be fulfilled whether he wants to give the crown to somebody else that doesn't matter and there is a very nice little uh, example from everyday life that uh, uh, i love to contemplate that see uh, now we see so many trees in oroville and several places in newco now who were the hands that till the soil some hands had till the soil some brought the seed some planted it some watered it and some are reaping the benefit of the shade the fruits and the flowers so all these if we really look at on a larger scale we will see that the hands that till the soil were moved by that one who had already planned for the result after 50 years those who went into let's say digging the matri mandir the one who gave the idea is the same the one who gave the energy and thought to the motivation to those hands which went on tilling the soil knowing that probably we'll never see the completion it's the same one and the those who saw the construction and finally completion and those who entered it just that one consciousness so if we really live truly like that then we will see that there are no two this work will take us to that uh, height of discovering that oneness not only within us but in this entire creation so much so that one discovered that even those who oppose the plan see it's a very powerful experience a supramental experience of shirbindo that he sees that um the 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 lord the in imminent divine the inhabitant of all creatures is not only in the lawyer who is pleading my case but the one who is opposing it now why this is important is because sometimes we feel if there is an opposition to what i am doing that means it's not not god's will and the mother says 
if you take that approach you will land up in the hands of the hostiles we have to follow that inner urge within us it doesn't matter 10000 times it doesn't work out still live deep within me is this aspiration i must follow it it's not about whether but if i am doing it for a particular result then i'll say oh there is an obstacle maybe mother doesn't want it that was convenient thing mother wants it or doesn't want it you have to feel inside your heart maybe in your whole life it doesn't get fulfilled and yet one has prepared the ground for some later fulfillment that's how when people say that oh i am too old now i don't know whether i'll see the supramental creature or not or <laughs> so the answer is don't worry all of us will come back and how does it matter who will see the fulfillment look at how mother says how does it matter which body because all is one body so it becomes wider and wider as we proceed so nishkam karma can lead us to very very great depths and heights and wideness if we just practice this one thing because why would we then work at all when we are not coveting the fruit only the spirit of serving god so all our thoughts and emotions will begin to turn toward the divine automatically and as they turn toward the divine god knowledge will pour in what is the test that one is proceeding rightly along the path shobinda says equanimity fundamental thing in yoga of knowledge it's not required <laughs> why because you are not interacting with the world it's all within you yoga of bhakti traditional traditional yoga of knowledge not shobinda yoga traditional yoga of bhakti you don't need equanimity you are just if you if you don't meet him you are saying you are just too bad you are not coming at my call all this you are not again dealing with this world you are just cutting yourself off from it but in works equanimity is a fundamental practice because all the time as we move through life we will be either lured or we will meet with obstacles oppositions all kinds of things will happen and we have to go through life in a state of equanimity sometime when we are working conditions may be totally not conducive at all Uh, there may be heavy rains and um, see these are basic trainings and when we look at the life of those who have gone before us the work may be something very small apparently we remember this uh, um, krishna prem roland nixon he was cleaning the uh, kitchen those days in indian households he had to clean the kitchen very meticulously there were lot of thing on cleanliness out of cleanliness too much but only thing is the dirt used to be thrown later on outside because there was no good municipal system but uh, house had to be cleaned meticulously even now you will see uh, tamil women making kolam outside after cleaning the house so uh, you know there was lot of energy which was going on into this activity cleaning so roland nixon is cleaning the kitchen because he has come to india he was a british i think mathematician and after many years somebody came to meet him uh, he was named krishna prem so um, uh, he looked at him doing all this he said do you think this way you are going to achieve your goal you are going to find the divine this way and he made a very interesting remark he said those who have gone before me have gone this way so this idea it's a big work lecturing is a big work but washing utensils is not a big work or alternatively ego can play many games 
Oh, this fellow, he only lectures. I sweep the floors every day, getting up at four o'clock. Ego is such a, <laughs> you know, it can work the other way. So one has to be so careful. One little door, trap door is open and it will come. So all this idea of big work, small work and Shubhendu gives an example that when we really look at the divine pouring himself into creation, samam brahmam. So he pours himself equally in everything. The hand that sent Jupiter spinning through heaven spends all its cunning to fashion a curl. So if that be the case, how am I to choose the work? Okay, I do this work with an equal heart, equal mind, regardless of praise or blame, anything. So how do I then choose the work? This is a big challenge. Now, when physically the mother would give us the work, it was very simple. Uh, though not so simple also because the story of Rishabh Chand which often I recount so uh, he was a Jain our uh, uh, Mayadi's father very uh, you know he has written such a wonderful book uh, into his life unique so he was a Jain and he comes and says mother whatever work you will give me I will take it and accept so the mother <laughs> gave him work in furniture department so oh, wonderful no, he was a very intellectual person with a very good sense of understanding things. Yes, mother, I'll do it very happily. And he's writing, going to write a letter of gratitude to mother. And meanwhile, mother sends a chit. First assignment is kill the bugs which are inside the hmm, cots. Now, killing the bugs is an anathema to a Jain. You can't kill the bug. You can't kill anything. <laughs> so he keeps that letter aside. Writes to Shurabindu now. I think mother does not know about <laughs> that. I am a Jain and I am not supposed to kill. <laughs> and Shurabindu's reply. Whatever work the mothers gives is meant for your progress. Do it with that attitude. Of course he rose to what heights. I mean this is how they have shown the way. Ravindraji, who is a pure vegetarian, whatever it means, so he is given the task of egg distribution. And the mother once says, he met somebody on the, uh, see all these ideas and idealisms, how they can come in the way. So mother says, I met some, someone who said, I am ready to do whatever God wants me to do. Except that I will never lift a sword. But I know he will never ask me to do it. <laughs> and the mother asked him, how do you know <laughs> so surely? <laughs> the entire Gita is there. Any idea, however high and exalted, it does not mean that indiscriminately we become sword brandishing idiots. No, it doesn't mean that. But to be so surrendered to his will... That even if there is something which is according to my ideal, see that's why people can't understand even Buddha or Shurabindu. You know, oh, there is recently somebody has released a book on the unsung tale of, you know, Mrilalni Devi. That's a very human way of looking at it. But the divine way is that, well, Shurabindu, in fact, he says, I am no more in my hands. He writes to her, what can I do? I have to go where he takes me. He is not going with a mental idea, I have to work for that, I have to give a great yoga, become a great guru and become, you know, the number one mystic. He doesn't do any of these things. I have to discover a yoga of transformation, you don't know how important work I am doing. 
He doesn't do anything of that kind. He says, I am surrendered to the divine. Whatever he asks me, I have to do that. My life is no more mine. And he says, I believe that all that he has given to me, I have been using it 14 annas for myself and only giving 2 annas to God. This must change. So one day he has a command and he comes. It's not that he abandoned this or that. This is our mental way of understanding. What about those who are left behind? I think they could not have had a better fate. If you ask me, imagine to be just married to Shirovindo. I want these human thinkers to understand the significance of what this means. To be wedded to Shirobindo, even for a day, even for the sake of wedding, that my life is tied to Shirobindo. What does it mean? It means he will never forget it. And that's what we see in Shirobindo 1918 when she leaves the body, when they come to know about it, he comes to know about it. What does he say? That where I have loved once, I cease not from loving. So, see, this is how the yogi resolves all the inner dilemmas. He is moved by the will of God. There will be conflicting elements. If I Now, what is that conflicting element? Duty. So, in the western context, in modern thinkers, like Bunky, even Bankim Chand and these people, they have turned the, the path of works into a doing your duties. But duty is a very moral and a mental concept which has its meaning when we are leading a life of ignorance. But it completely loses its value when one turns to the divine. Sri Ramakrishna or rather Swami Vivekananda by suddenly leaving, he did not leave anyone but by turning towards what he felt deep within this will of the divine inside him and went around the world, he was... neglecting his duty but fulfilling God's will which is what creation is meant for and when one person does it it automatically radiates its influence on all that is around it's a very powerful thing as I said even if outwardly there is a challenge and there is a suffering outwardly it is a purifying suffering so even this idea of duty so what will choose how will choose the work when mother physically gives the work fine the second way to look at it, let's say one enters into this field like Auroville and Ashram, which are special places. Why? Because they are special formations. There is no doubt about it that this is different from, let's say, uh, a government corporate organization outside. Definitely. It's a formation by the mother. So if one enters and a work is given by whoever is supposed to assign a work, one, one can take it that, well, this is the work she wants me to do and do it. Entirely with current. So the preferences. I remember once passingly how these things can percolate. I was coming from Ashram to Auroville. Just, I had just arrived and Bharat Nivas, there was a, a, a talk organized. I had to also come. So I was sitting in, in the car with uh, sharing it with a uh, few others. And you know, naturally when a new like a <laughs> murga comes. <laughs> oh, you come from where after asking background. So they asked me that, you know, so where are you working? I said, I have not yet decided. Ah, I know. If you go, they will just send you to the dining room in a very condescending way. Then I wondered, is this the right company? What's wrong with dining room? I mean, if this, whatever be the work which is given, that work becomes the means. 
see and see with niruddha he was sent to the timber go down i had this i have shared this into the marbling department where i learnt all about colors and selling sarees which i could never learn about sarees and colors after so many years of married life the mother taught me in few months learn to look at colors <laughs> learn to appreciate colors <laughs> so beautiful <laughs> so there is this uh, whole our world of ideas so people often wonder when we read somebody like let's say jitu krishna murti oh how these formations and all these systems they collapse and uh, you are freed from all these uh, mental you know systems in which you work are you can do the same thing through works in a very powerful way because even this idea that they are collapsing they are gone why because when when a gyan yogi collapses them then he enters into a void a vacant blank which is called as freedom liberation of intelligence universal intelligence call it whatever but here we discover within this universal intelligence the will of the divine operating in creation that unfortunately he misses and to that when we add that why for the love of the divine then we discover that not only there is this will of, so in this consciousness we get the knowledge in the traditional path of um, knowledge by which we get freed of this this is a method we all know it and you know nirvanic silence but when we take the path of works then we discover something beyond nirvana the will in the void which is shaping this world of events circumstances forms and all becomes a discloser of the divine in many fold ways including that which seems to oppose the will yet fulfills the will mysteriously so all this is a greater realization that's why there's a whole chapter dedicated in 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 essays on the gita on nirvana and the works in the world otherwise in the traditional yoga nirvana is the end here nirvana is the beginning why because now i'll do the works truly <laughs> what does nirvana mean no more my desires my mental ideas constructions systems philosophies religion ideologies all are smashed none of these is impelling me so there is a white full of peace and silence of the eternal and in this peace and silence the will eternal will manifests it it breaks in such a in fact is much faster when we, one practices karma yoga in the true sense the nirvana comes much faster and the beauty is it doesn't tell you to withdraw from work because see that liberation is incomplete where you enter into the world and you are bound again so the sanyas is withdraw but here in this nirvana which comes through works one one is never bound even in this world one is as much manifesting that will and finally as a result of all this one discovers that love why because when we serve the divine worship the divine adore the divine in every which way not just through these ritualistic acts but in every which way in the smallest of activities seemingly what may be called as the most menial of actions and yet when we love him who else will i mean can he stay far away so we discover that love all god directed so these are the three things in the yoga works one is to turn the mind inward and upward rather than this discursive intellect which is all the time engaged in this world of in a beadigless activity driven by desire like a yantra arudini as if you know on the 
uh, on the wheel, like a fly on the wheel. So when this turns inward and upward, it seeks to, in the yoga work, seeks to know the will of God. And what helps in this turning is Nishkam Karma. Because that is what is binding us. This attachment, this fulfillment, this particular success, this reward, or fear of failure, all the reverse, losing a particular attachment, all this is binding us. When we turn it inward and upward, then a separation takes place between the outer activity and the inner being. Then we begin to truly grow. The second step is doing all works as a sacrifice to the divine. So this sacrifice is not about offering our hairs in Thurupati. That's very easy. So, <laughs> But actually hairs are a symbol of inconscient, old nature. So, But actually it is sacrifice of all that we do into a great fire of aspiration. And when we do it, what happens? What needs to be destroyed is destroyed. What can be purified is purified. It, so sacrifice is about sacrament. It makes something refined, luminous. When we sacrifice the thoughts, meaning thereby all thoughts which are running here and there, I turn them towards the divine. So afterward, the power of thought, new capacities of thinking, new ways of cognition, intuition, all this begins to awaken. Simply because instead of letting these thoughts run in uh, all kinds of WhatsApp university, these thoughts run, turn towards that, towards the divine. Similarly, sacrifice of our feelings. Instead of all these ignorant forms of attachment, when it turns to the, toward the divine, does it mean renouncing people in our life? No. In fact, it improves the relation. Why? Because when a husband starts regarding his wife, I am taking one example because the most extreme, uh, that you are Devi. You know, and the wife also regards. Wives regards in India, it's like was instilled long back. Pati uh, Devta, I don't know whoever made it. But we have to now set the balance right. Devi. When they both regard each other as nothing else but the divine who has become this and come in our life. They too are forms of the divine. They too are aspects of the divine. The child, not because my child must fulfill my desires, wishes, ambitions, must go to school, get a good degree. When we get rid of all this and understand the child is here for the blossoming in his own way, at his own time, at his own pace. And he has come to me and I am a trustee of the divine and the divine is in him. Then life will be so beautiful. There will be all these arguments and pushing and all this will go away. <laughs> so it is the when one shop one stop shopper <laughs> so it it makes life so beautiful so everything will grow delightful so that's why a yogin who follows the path of works and loves this creation as if as if means because the divine is there what happens in him maitri karuna evascha even when he fights there is no enmity there is no hatred because he knows it's a play it's this fight i am required to oppose this fellow because within me this is the will and within him there may be another will, I am not bothered about it, I am not here to judge him. But within me this is the will and I must do that will uh, based on this which is arriving within me. But I must be sure that it is the divine will and if we get rid of all our preferences, viewpoints, opinions and uh, through the practice of karma yoga we enter into a state of inner peace then we'll see that we'll be able to recognize the divine will. It can come as a deep inspiration that seizes and takes hold of us. It may take as an imperative something which has to be done. Maybe to write a letter. 
maybe to act in a certain way, maybe to speak a few words, whatever it be, we just follow it because inwardly. And it, it goes without disturbing the peace inside. All disturbance, restlessness is a sign that my yoga is not complete. Doesn't mean that I am not practicing. It means it's not complete. So one goes back and looks at that part. What is creating the disturbance and restlessness? All deviation from equality is a sign. Oh, somebody said this to me, I am disturbed. Oh, I did this with so much love and dedication, but it didn't work out. So all that restlessness is a sign where one has to keep working upon it. So this is the great royal road because in this particular yoga, there is no, in the yoga path of works, there is no need for a specially sitting meditation. It doesn't mean no meditation because very often people take it like, it means turning life into a meditation. It's not needed to specifically do these kind of traditional worships, but it doesn't mean no worship, no adoration. Why? Because our life becomes a worship. Our life becomes an adoration of the divine. And it doesn't mean doing some special activities which are God-oriented, that is work in the department, in the ashram context. And the rest of the life is fun fact. It, this division goes away because everything, all our outer work, all our relationship, all the inner movements, sleep, eating, walking, everything turns into a beautiful song or a hymn dedicated to the eternal. So this and so much more and one last word, all this is still the yoga works as it has been extolled by Sri Krishna in the Gita. In Shobindra's yoga it takes us one step further. So in that one step further, there are two things which are involved, we will just touch upon that. And while in ordinary karma yoga, one has to be freed from egoism. This must be free, even the sattvic egoism. But yet the ego would be there, acting as an instrument. Arjun, you are the instrument. Sabhyasachi, you are the instrument. One is still having that, the instrument and channel of God. But in the supramental yoga, the ego must vanish entirely. So, there is such a union the instrument channel all is gone there is just one expressing manifesting in million ways not only within but in this entire creation in the blooming of a rose in the uh, new bud which is coming in the meteor shining in the sky in the rocket going to moon <laughs> and what not everyone one sees in every burst of activity that divine who is within without everywhere it becomes the one divine in the true sense we understand the Ishopanishad he is outside, he is within, he is above, he is below. And then, what can one say about the difference? All differences ceases to be. So that is complete vanishing of the ego for the supramental yoga. And second thing about the supramental yoga works, divine works is, these things are similar, they have to be practiced. That even the instruments have to be upgraded. Why? Because in supramental yoga, of divine works, it's no more the ordinary nature which will drive us, but inwardly we will live free. That is what the Yoga of Gita te- leads us to. Jivan Mukta. But here, the instruments have to be impelled by the divine Shakti, no more by the three gunas, three currents of nature. Now, being impelled by the divine Shakti means the mind may be blown into thousand pieces. 
when that shakti operates where is the mind ready to reach so wideness and suppleness of the mind the heart it may start doing tik tok because to tune the heart to that rhythm and invasion of divine love and sweetness mother describes all these experiences they are mind boggling the very body when she comes streaming inside the body may shake shiver so in supramental yoga the instruments have to be also upgraded which is done by the same process except that there is this new aspiration and that process is constant remembrance and offering this is how the yoga proceeds a state of constant inner remembrance initially this remembrance may be mechanical forced oh i forgot to say ma 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 so in a remembrance after some time it becomes the way of life it one doesn't have to keep on <laughs> forcibly saying because you have become so much becoming so much close to her that one has to just as shubhendu says just take a step behind and you see that you are in the hands of the divine mother you don't have to we don't have to call there is such an intimacy that you just turn mama <laughs> she is there so inner remembrance and offering all that happens all that comes without qualifying it good bad in fact good and bad prevents offering oh this is bad i am so bad this is not good and bad it's about things which take me close to the divine and things which we keep me away from the divine there is no other good and bad from the yogic point of view a thing which may be very good from the worldly point of view may be bad from the yogic point of view because it's becoming a veil and a thing which may seem bad as i said buddha's renunciation sure bindu from the worldly point of view is very good from the yoga point of view so all these ideas have to be renounced and offered as they arise they will arise in the consciousness they have to be offered to the divine mother constantly so the path of yoga finally is the path of constant inner remembrance of the divine offering everything to the divine leading ultimately to these three types of union three or four times which which, which will stop shubhendu speaks about them in different places so one is sayujya mukti one becomes united with the divine that's where yoga word comes from yuj to yoke to become one then there is salokya mukti one lives dwells in the same status as the divine so even when one is in hell one is experiencing ananda why because salokya he is dwelling in the same status that's why the gita says somebody who is um, remembering me you must know that he is a regardless of whoever he was maybe one day before you must treat him as a great sage and a saint because is special i don't abandon him and he never leaves me so the gita speaks about it so because he lives in his status becomes the same as that of the divine samipya mukti all the time the divine is near us beat kurukshetra beat uh, the battlefield beat the densest darkness we know that he is near us why because samipya mukti and as a result of these three it leads us to sadrishya mukti also known as sadharmagati our nature begins to become same with the nature of the divine so all the divine elements of the divine supernature if you want to call it begin to manifest in our human nature and that's how life is transformed it grows beautiful and fulfills the purpose for which creation is made delight within delight around delight in everything the ultimate goal of existence thank you so much I think uh
we went. <laughs> uh, I don't know if there is any questions. I'm open to that. I don't understand uh, yet what is it that, how can you do the things which you do for yourself as an offering to the divine? Oh. When you go to take a bathroom, to the bathroom, let's take the most, the activity, passing urine and stool. Shobinda even speaks of that. Even that must be done with the idea that this body must become his temple. When we are taking a bath, think about that this bath is nothing else but a light pouring into me. This required so that you can become a fit vehicle and instrument of the divine. A gift that we give, to, and all these are mentioned in the synthesis of yoga and mother speaks about it. When we give a gift to somebody, very interesting thing Shobinda says, you must know that you are giving not to that person, but giving to the divine. And then he says something very interesting. Even if that immediate recipient rejects it, still the divine accepts it. Just imagine, what a relief. You have given something very nice with this idea, moved by the deep love and you know, the person, oh, what this? what is this nonsense? But the divine has accepted. See, that is how divine marks every little movement. But equally when we receive something, this is very difficult sometimes to get rid of, it took time to... Receive it from the divine. So you are not obliged to the outer, oh, he has done all this for me, I must do this for him or her. No, it is the divine who has given. So in the smallest, meanest of activities, as I said, which are purely mechanical, expulsion of, you know, whatever is inside the body, even that must be done with that idea and if possible, the remembrance of the divine. Somehow doesn't make sense to me. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't matter, it will go. So that's why the finally, as they say, doing is remembering. So when we do it, sometimes we have to do it in the beginning just because we want to reach that goal and as you said rightly, that the master has said so. Like I gave the example of Krishna Prem. Somebody asked that, how will cleaning the kitchen take you to God? He is a mathematician. And what did he say? Those who have gone before me have gone this way. So when we take it with this, that those who have gone before us have gone this way. Or simply because mother and she have been the say so in the beginning. Then when we do it, when many times this will happen. See this idea of free will. Shubindu speaks about it. That what comes in the way of Nishkam Karma, idea of freedom. So you have to obey the divine. Now you feel, no, 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 this is contradicting my own idea. And this is there in Shurabindu's own works, words. He says, what prevents is the idea of freedom. I will do it my way. Divine doesn't say anything. He says, go your way, doesn't matter. He will still walk with us. But loss is ours. So when we take it that when mother has said something and Shurabindu has said something, let me obey it. And of course, this obedience itself is the sign of surrender. This surrender which is so important in this yoga in the yoga works, ultimately you have to surrender everything. It includes this, that what is really stopping me from doing this. If one looks inside carefully, one will see that there are certain ideas which we carry, you know, for whatever reason. And we are finding it difficult to surrender these ideas to the divine. 
and there we should just surrender simply because mother has said so or shivinda has said so this is the easiest way otherwise by practicing well this is part of the path of works so one does it but simple thing is turn all things as service and worship of the divine see if you take even the ritualistic act since you mentioned about udarda that bathing and all so what was the ritual followed in the uh, it was very interesting that uh, you have to do the puja after taking a proper bath okay every time you touched so from there the untouchable came <laughs> it meant simply that you want to remain in that state at every level your consciousness should not have any mixtures so those who were following a certain practice discipline they used to do that something they used to take a bath now we may now it is no more needed and we have gone far ahead but this is was the principle so what is the principle i am going to meet the divine and to offer my work should i go any which way not at one level it's the same thing like when nirodha ashurbindo that i don't know why the divine needs to have filtered water so shurbindo says but why would you want to feed the divine water full of germs so the same thing we may go to him any which way we may go to him with the in the dirtiest of dresses and the divine will receive us that is divine's greatness but if i want to go to the divine won't i want ki in the best possible way i go so when bath is taken with this idea it doesn't mean that no if i have not taken my ritual bath i will not sit and concentrate no it doesn't mean that the day of a person who is aspiring for the divine starts with the divine gratitude and then it closes with the divine but as i said these normal regular activities routine activities should also be done even care of the body the gita even goes to that extent it says that who uh, tortures this body they are the asuras they don't realize i am dwelling inside so there are some people who devise i mean in in ashram context there was somebody who used to sleep on the floor on a brick now you know what happened one day <laughs> one day the, i won't take the name he thought he is doing some great yoga like a sanyasi and he received a slap this was the only way to drive away this idea that if i am sleeping on the floor on uh, naked floor and uh, putting my head on the uh, brick all this not required this is the medieval idea of you know ascetics who are sleeping on a bed of nails but whom are we torturing ultimately we may say i am torturing myself no heat absorbs this pain and suffering i'll tell you one small little story incidents i saw a lady who was going through uh, you know she had leukemia and lot of medicines were being given it was a moment of great suffering uh, she ultimately left her body one day when i went to meet her uh, she was having tears in the eyes so i asked her uh, what happened i mean just to know her uh, is she suffering and no i am just thinking mother has to take all this suffering that is going on inside my body it touched me so much she has crossed millions of years of yoga in that one attitude in those few months a few days so when we take suffering deliberately upon ourselves what are we really doing who ultimately where does the buck finally go he has to drink that poison when i am bitter what am i doing i am passing the poison to the divine so that's why yoga has to be done with a glad heart in a state of happy submission not with a you know 
the glum phase, the gloomy phase, um, uh, torturing ourselves because that is the way of the asura. He does that. But divine does not want that. He wants us to come to him beautifully, happily. Neither with, okay, if we don't have any option, it's okay. But at the same time, we should have the balanced life, which is what is described by. So all this is part, it's a package. So people who choose to deliberately make their body or mind suffer, devise ways, they are certainly not on, on the right track or the royal road to yoga. So one has to look at it like that. With practice it will come. Do and it will come. Yeah, I, I mean I am fine as long as people don't have the... Yeah, yeah. Service to the divine is, let us say, when you are working, uh, let's say in the ashram set up in or- or in Auroville, you are working in Savitri Bhavan, you are not doing it to get any reward. You may get a reward, some people may get remuneration, some don't get, that's a different, but you are not doing it with that idea. Okay? So that is service. This is the basic starting point. But this service may be done egoistically. My inner state may be still. I am doing service in the ashram department, but I want that chair. I want to become the head of department. So it's, it's no more. So what do we do? This thought that I am the doer, I must consecrate it constantly. I am not the doer. This is not my chair. This belongs to mother. I have been doing this incidentally in dispensary, those who come. I have been doing rock and roll, you know, from one room to another to another. And people have this weird idea. Oh, your uh, shifting room. I say, whole life is shifting. <laughs> what is there? Attachment to a chair and room. So this is where we have to understand that this, when, when we consecrate all the consecration means that making it sacred. So how does it become sacred when I am doing, I may not do it for reward, but yet the you may be there. Egoism strongly. So that has to be consecrated. It becomes refined, purified. Consecration is the first step. Okay, I am sitting on this chair. Ma, it's your chair. With your permission, allowed by you, I am sitting there. May I do your work? It may start as a prayer. Now the practical part of it. So after we do for some time, then you know that this chair is not really important. So still, it's good to keep remembering this again and again. Lest we get attached to the chair. Or whatever kind chair, even in ashram and this uh, Auroville, there would be chairs and positions. So one has to remember this, we are not doing it for positions, so egoism. So when we consecrate, we make it sacred. And this consecration, when it is perfected, then it becomes surrender. Surrender means then completely under the divine will. That's the difference between all these service, services uh, and action then. Consecration, then surrender. Consecration perfected becomes surrender. Before consecration, there is offering. So offering, consecration, surrender. These are the three steps. So offering is I am doing this work, I am offered to the mother in inner prayer. Consecration is when I, have, I make it sacred. And surrender is when I am completely given in all its details to the divine. Okay. So I think we will stop here. Unless, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much.